How does data literacy enable digital transformation? What impact do data skills have on changing enterprise culture? And how can data literacy enable diversity within the business? In this episode, we discuss the impact of data literacy on digital transformation with Wes Strait, Director of Technology Transformation at Best Buy. Welcome to Data Humanized, presented by Correlation One. In each episode, we bring you the unique perspective of enterprise leaders at the intersection of technology and humanity who are leading cultural transformation through the power of data. You'll also hear the real life stories of learners who have graduated from the Data Science for All program and who are embarking on new career pathways, creating a more inclusive, collaborative, and effective workforce. I'm your host, Mark Palmer. Please visit the Correlation One website for more about how data literacy transforms enterprises and tell your friends about the Data Humanized podcast. 93% of companies reported spending more on AI in 2022, yet less than 30% of digital transformation projects are successful. And the spending just keeps increasing. By 2025, companies will spend $2.8 trillion on digital transformation projects per year. That's more than double of 2020's total. So how can leaders ensure that their tech investments deliver results? The answer is data literacy in their workforces. High-performing businesses have a much higher rate of data literacy versus average companies. Now, but here's the problem. 75% of us don't feel ready to operate in the digital-first world. We have some work to do, and that's why we created Data Humanized, to discuss the best practices of companies that are getting it right. For better data science, hire fewer data scientists. Hire and create more data humanist jobs through data literacy. These are the folks with critical thinking skills, humanist skills like writing, communication, and storytelling, and subject matter expertise. 40% of our workforce needs to be fundamentally retrained to make the leap and fulfill the demand for these data humanist roles. In this podcast, we explore how enterprise leaders are accomplishing just that. Joined today by Wes Strait. He is the director of analytics transformation at Best Buy, uh, a company that I think most uh, in North America and Canada know. Uh, so looking forward to the conversation today. Welcome, Wes. Hey, I'm glad to be here. And yeah, I hope everyone in North America knows about us. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, my gosh, 56 years, a thousand stores. You know, I found a little known fact that I love uh, that the original name of the store was The Sound of Music. Yes, yes, it was. Um, yeah, and uh, didn't know that, but uh, certainly uh, love the store. Um, and I want to start this off by with a little fun question, which is, what's your favorite product at Best Buy? And 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 while you're thinking of that, right, I'm going to tell you my favorite product is the Geek Squad, because <laughs> I I love that service. Um, you know, it, to me, it's like the pre-crime division in Minority Report, right? Where, uh, like, when I'm I'm trying to fix something at my house, I'm about to mess it up. I call those guys and they make it so I don't hang my TV in the wrong direction and uh, have nice. it fall. So, so, but you're the expert at Best Buy. I'm curious, what like what little little known product we might know, uh, or what's your favorite from uh, from the store? You've actually started with probably the hardest question for me because there's so <laughs> much I do like in the store. Um, I will say that uh, you know last year I purchased a, a drone, and that's probably the thing I've got the most use out of is flying a, a drone around. Um, so we'll go with that one. Ooh, that's cool. All right. Well, that's yeah. gonna be a uh, that's gonna be a host guest uh, gift, I think, for myself. Oh. <laughs> I've been looking at one for a while. So, all right. Well, look, let's get into it. Like, we're you know the 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 goal of this podcast is to talk about digital transformation, 
um, you know, diversity and culture, um, you know, careers and, and helping mentor people. So I'd like to start off, though, with the context, too, about, you know, other than the cool name, Sound of Music, why did you choose Best Buy? You know, what was your um, driver to, to, to join the company? I always like to think of Simon Sinek's question of, the why, you know, why you guys are in, in business, what, what are you passionate about, what you do, so. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it works pretty well because, you know, Best Buy's purpose is to enrich lives through technology. And I mean, I, that's kind of what I've been doing my whole life professionally and personally, right? I've been all around technology. And so to come into a company where, you know, everyone, you know, whether they're in finance, supply chain, or in the actual technology team has some geekiness to them, um, right? They, they like the, the technology products we sell, um, and, you know, especially in, in the areas I've worked, um, we get to try a lot of new things and it's a pretty nimble company despite its age. Um, and it's exciting to be here. Well, you know, one of the things I, you know, in terms of the why, when I was looking into Best Buy, um, that I didn't realize is you've got this theme of doing a world of good, right? Um, things like complying with the Paris agreement 10 years in advance and, and recycling all sorts of stuff. Although I did look at your list and they don't have karaoke machines. My wife has a huge karaoke machine. I'm gonna to have to figure out what to do one with one day. But um, but could you talk about that in terms of your role there um, with transformation and sort of the overall mission of, of Best Buy and the things that, that you work yeah. on? Yeah, so uh, number one, I'm glad you read our ESG report apparently. Um, that, that definitely gives a lot of uh, perspective on the different initiatives that we have. And I'll make sure to take the feedback on the karaoke machine, see if we can get that, <laughs> yeah, get that on the list. <laughs> I, I've used the recycling service quite a bit myself, so that's, that's one of the great things. Um, but in my, my role, uh, a lot of my work is around our talent and connecting into um, you know, different communities. So if you look at that report, part of what we want to do is also make sure we're bringing in you know, diverse talent and also making sure the team kind of reflects the communities that they're in. Uh, so for, for me, it's, you know, connecting to programs like uh, the Data Science for All program um, to, to help kind of pull up those underrepresented groups and get them into some analytics careers. Yeah. And for the people that might not be aware, we're sponsored by Correlation One, right, which runs this Data Science for All program, which is how I got involved on their board of advisors, because I just started by volunteering to be a mentor about three years ago and uh, love the program so much I joined the board. So um, it really is a, a great program. And that's, um, can you talk then therefore about, you know, Best Buy's involvement, why you got involved and what have been some of the cultural, cultural change, um, changes that have kind of come about as, as a result of that program yeah. and, and other things that you're doing. You're doing a lot of things there, which we'll talk yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the work within data science for all, you know, there's correlations, some other things that I work with. So we'll, we'll talk about that first. Um, you know, we looked at, you know, number one, it's a giant pool of great talent that's getting trained up. Um, so these are people we're looking to have join our team. So there's a recruiting aspect, but then there's the, the mentoring aspect. I think we'll talk more about that later. But, um, you know, having our team have a, you know, kind of a conduit to go out and mentor people in the analytics community helps them upskill and develop themselves uh, while also helping, you know, the community as a whole. Uh, and then there's also the ability uh, for, you know, sending people through as fellows into that program. So actually taking people within Best Buy who maybe are not in analytics, but have a passion for it, it gave us another conduit to, to put them into and get the training and the, the, the great you know, outcomes from that program, and then maybe move into a, a new role here within the organization. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the things uh, I can talk about that a little bit more because that's what I think is particularly interesting, right? Where a lot of the folks, this isn't about training college students, right? Yeah. Even that's, that's important as well. I think uh, the upskilling and cross-skilling is um, super important. One of my favorite things is that I have this odd point of view, perhaps to some, which is that to do better data science, we should hire fewer data scientists, meaning, yeah. or, you know, but we should hire, we should actually focus on getting people that have humanists, I call them data humanists, right? Which is people with more humanist data skills or, 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 or understanding the mission of Best Buy, for example, getting them some data literacy and then having them cross-skill, upskill into analytics jobs, et cetera. So I think it sounds like you would do that yeah. uh, at Best Buy. So uh, can you talk about that a little bit? And uh, if you agree with my perhaps uh, unconventional point of view. Yeah, no, I, I love the the data humanist term. And, you know, I'd probably say, you know, I tweak it a little bit, you know, we're not going to try and go out and hire all the data humanists, but how do we build more data humanists within the organization? And that's, that's part of that, you know, upskilling, reskilling uh, perspective, taking someone who's maybe in technology or maybe working in data and as like a demand planning analyst, but really they're enjoying that and they want to get into, you know, more of a career, you know, where that's what they do every day. Um, one of the things I'd love to see uh, is almost have an analytics team that serves more like an incubator. So we've got people who maybe came out uh, of a different role. We've brought them in. They get to work with, you know, the analytics team and grow and then maybe go back out into a different role in the business. Now you've got that, that data culture um, out there, the humanist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll talk about Sarah Julius. Well, oh, oh. Sarah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I love to like to really get specific about this, right? Because yeah. Sarah posted on LinkedIn recently about going through, you know, the, I think the data science for all program and has um, now taken yeah. a position in, in the in the decision science group at Best Buy, right? So that's, there's a that's case, right. case in point, right? Yeah. So Sarah Julius, SJ, I can't talk uh, uh, more uh, enough about her I and mean, we could use the rest of the podcast if you want. But uh, yeah, she uh, she's someone uh, that was in a, a, you know, like a program leadership role in our technology area. Um, I had talked with her a couple of times and she really had a passion for wanting to get into to more data. She used data in her role um, you know, where she was you know, leading uh, like our diversity and inclusion efforts. And she's always looking at, at data. Um, and then uh, in one of the conversations, I pointed out this uh, data science for all program. And one day she just told me she had applied for it and uh, got in and I'm like, great. Uh, and she she went through the whole thing uh, and got done. And we have a role that worked out uh, for her to move into. And it's, it's just the perfect story. It, it really is incredible because data science is not for the faint of heart, right? No. I, I, I always tell everybody, you know, I, I love the sort of that, you know, it's hard to get into this program, right? But it's, but it's, it, it is also hard to get through if people have full-time yeah. jobs and, you know, they, they, they get through and they learn, you know, maybe they, they didn't like statistics in, 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 in school. Yeah. Shocker for some people might not, but um, sounds like she, she got through and it worked out well for her. She had a great, great perspective on you. I mean, she knew that it was going to be a lot of extra work. Um, and I think she, she'd made like these rings, uh, paper rings that she'd attached for, you know, the 16 weeks of the program. It's like visual indicator of her progress through that and knowing it would be worth it at the end. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's cool. Actually, yeah. that should be a standard part of the program. then. So, yeah. Maybe uh, you just send it out as a kit to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah, keep, there's an, there's another story that I like too, that I, I, I learned about, which is Ann Hellison and um, her mentee named Habui. Uh, I connected with both of them. 
um, because it it really strikes me that literacy programs and then particularly mentoring programs are two way street, right? There, there's this idea of reverse mentoring where the mentor gets as much out of it as the mentee. So that's another example, right? From Best Buy. I'm curious if you've got color about Ann and Ha and, uh, yeah. you know, kind of how that made a, a dent on the Best Buy culture of, uh, and making it more diverse. Yeah, and I think there's a great write-up um, that's out there that Ann did around, around this, probably what you saw that, that got you uh, the information. But remember back, I said some of the different benefits we looked at in the, the program. One of them is that mentoring. And I think, you know, you hit a good point of the reverse mentoring as well, right? Our team gains, you know, by going out and, and doing that and the experience they get, you know, be someone who's trying to pivot their career. That's very different than if you're mentoring someone, you know, in the organization's already doing something. You have you have different conversations and different things you're going to talk about, and you you learn and grow from those experiences as well. Um, and we we want you know our team to also help you know raise up that community that's outside the walls of our organization. Um, you know mm -hmm. that there are potential people who maybe join our team down the road or will be interacting with in some way. They might work at a different company. Um, and see a role at Best Buy someday. Uh, so it's it's about getting out and, and building those relationships, and it pays dividends for for everyone. Um, I, you know that quote of "rising tides lifts all boats," right? <laughs> yep, yep. No, for sure. You know, I, I want to get to uh, culture change outside the company as well in a minute. But um, yeah. you know, something you said, I I, I want to know for people that are listening that might be in a similar role. Like, how do you how do you get you know, Anne's and Sarah's to, to step up into these roles. I, I love this quote from Balaji Shavasan, who um, is pretty well known, you know, Silicon Valley thinker and um, podcaster. He, he talks about like the role of a leader is to find hidden genius, right? You know, your, your, your job is to go out there and kind of solicit and encourage people to volunteer. But at the end of the day, they have to volunteer. It's like, it's like Anne just like applied and went for it and created her uh, paper rings and yeah. um, right, but how how do you how do you systematize that? I guess is the question, Wes. Oh well, I don't know if it's quite to systematize operation, but uh, you know, it's it, I think in both cases, uh, it's finding kind of the why for for people, mm -hmm. right? It's not just telling them, hey, you should go do mentoring, um, you know, but what's what's the why behind it? And like Anne uh, looked at what I you know suggested to her for this program, and she said, oh. This is something that targets getting more women into the field. I mm -hmm. want to do that. You know, she's looking around the room and, you know, it, despite best efforts, it, it just by nature, right? There's less women in the room right now um, in, in technology and analytics careers. So she wanted to get in and help do that. That was her why. Um, there's all kinds of, of people who will have different whys and why they want to get involved. And I think it's finding out what those are and helping, you know, connect them to the right opportunities. Yep. Yep, no doubt. Well, that's great. It's a uh, they're, they're great examples and um, and good advice on how to how to scale it out. Well, let's let's shift to talk about digital transformation because, of course, uh, analytics transformation is your job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how does all of this? I mean, it's all it's all great, right? Like we we all know this this is a important thing, but I'm I'm curious about your take on how um, you know changing and evolving the culture and the diversity of views helps with making Best Buy more transformative? Oh, well, all right. I, I think I got your whole question. No, big question. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, first I'll start with maybe the word transformation. Um, you know, 
I, I think organizations, you know, they've for a while, they've actually had, you know, people who are really strong in, in data and literacy. The problem is they're concentrated in, you know, the, the analytics team. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the transformation piece is hitting on some of the things we talked about with the humanists is how do you get that interest, passion and some skill set out across the entire organization? Um, you know, certainly you're always going to have that, that analytics group, but you don't want them to be a bottleneck. Right. You're never going to grow that team big enough to handle every single data issue every single data question um, that you could have. So I think from a transformation perspective, it's enabling more people outside the org to understand uh, the data. Um, I think in our pre you know, discussion, you talked about like the citizen data scientist and uh, how you wouldn't want a citizen surgeon. <laughs> operating on you, but we would, we would absolutely love to have people who could at least understand you know, what the surgeon's talking about and have, have a good perspective on, on what's happening. Yeah. Well, that to me is the data humanist, right? People that yeah. know like maybe they can read an MRI, MRI, but you don't want them opening a table yeah. and, and perform the surgery. Right. So I think that's like a key new, um, sort of working, you know, division t- type of people. Right. Um, that have some domain yeah. expertise. So, um, so talk about, can you talk a little bit about from a transformation perspective, but how you get those people out into the business uh, line and making, making change once they have that basic data literacy. One of the uh, examples I love about this um, is Morgan Stanley, the, the chief analytics officer is uh, a guy named Jeff McMillan, who um, has done some podcasts about this. He calls them um, decentralized centers of excellence right? Where you've got these people like an Ann, right? That are out there now with the literacy going out and impacting the business and maybe making some changes at Best Buy. So sounds like you'd do something similar, right? And that you're talking about trying to get these folks out, you know, uh, with the business stakeholders. How, how do you, how do you go about that yeah. at Best Buy? Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, today that, that fits still within uh, our, our analytics org under a team, our decision science mm-hmm. team. So uh, those those team members uh, have more of a, an emphasis on you know that that consulting business you know skill than like the technology skills of data science doing you know like programming and R and Python and, and deep statistics. So we've got that decision science team working you know side by side with you know, whichever functional area of the okay. business, um, and they're they're getting a good understanding then of, of what is it you know what are the challenges what are the things we need to be thinking of. Um, from that data and, and analytics. Yeah. Okay. And that sounds like very similar to the decentralized center of excellence, right? Where you're not sitting up in a, a, yeah. on a mountaintop somewhere supplying the answers, but you're, you're, you're doing teaming. Yeah. Um, um, Valerie Logan, who's the CEO of a company called the data lodge, which is a culture change company for data literacy talks about them as culture captains, right? Where they, they go out and they, they, they team up. So it sounds like you do similar things. So they, do you actually team up, yeah. um, people that are just sort of data literate with the, the business unit on a, in a sort of on a project basis on a sprint basis, or how, how do you, how do you think about that? Or, um, or is it more episodic than even that or systematic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it can kind of vary based on what what that need is, right? So it could be kind of a project basis or or sprint, depending if if they're running more more of an agile approach. Um, but there's a lot of things that are just you know ad hoc needs, and I think those those are the more interesting ones. Like, hey, we need to know like what this number is, or what would be the impact of of doing you know a certain thing, um, and that's where you know, a lot of fun can come, where you've got. Maybe someone in the business who you know has an idea or a question, maybe some base skill in, in data, and now you've partnered them with kind of the 
you know, the, the race car uh, that can really help accelerate. That's a really good point. I think it's also overlooked. I, I find some companies be getting a very heavyweight center of excellence process, right? Where are these more, uh, yeah. I heard somebody call, talk about this as a micro consulting, right? Where you've got, oh, here's a, you know, here's a problem. Can I just ask somebody? And sometimes I think right when you're in the context of the problem, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. Um, can we geek out about decision science? Because uh, Ann talked about uh, taking a role in the decision science group, I think it was called, or you call it at, at, at Best Buy. Um, and the yeah. geeky part of it is uh, I, I love the notion that, you know, these data humanists, if they can apply behavioral economics and neuroscience to decision making, or another way to say it is a lot of companies say, oh, I want to be data driven, but it really should be more, I want to be decision driven, right? Like what's start, start with a why to use your, yeah, your phrase. I, yeah. So do you guys think that way at Best Buy? Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say, um, uh, you know, outcome based, right? So not just, uh, we want to be you know, more data driven. What are the outcomes from the business you're trying to drive? And I think that decision science group that SJ moved into and Anne is actually a part of already, um, you know, they, that's that's their mission it's like okay let's figure out what is it the business needs and what's the outcome they're trying to drive um not just we want a number to show up on a report right like but what what are you going to do with that what is the business objective of, of this and are there other indicators maybe we could give you that help uh help drive that so i think that that human aspect of really understanding what are they going after um that's that decision science group's role well no that's that that that's exactly you know there's a there's a nice uh book that uh, i think i might have mentioned um by george anders called you can do anything and it, it, he talks about this is like sort of a silent majority of data transformation jobs which is this data humanist role he 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 did some analysis yeah. that found that they're growing just as fast as data science jobs but there's seven times more of them Right. Like, cause these are the, yeah. the mainstream ones within like, for example, Best Buy, like what kind of things would decision science? I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant of how Best Buy actually works other than the geek squad and buying stuff from you. So like what, <laughs> what kind of decisions are they thinking of? Uh, you know, is it obviously yeah. targeting customers for offers and things like that, but maybe something, maybe you could shed some light on some I mean, non-secret I, Best Buy, you know, decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't give you all the secret sauce, but I can I can make it pretty generic for you here because it's pretty easy. That decision science group is involved in answering questions and providing insights across all areas of our business, right? So uh, you hit on some marketing things, you know, giving offers, you know, recommendations on the website. Um, but it's even like, where should we put stores, uh, you know, uh, and understanding that, understanding who are the customers and segmenting them and making sure, you know, we're meeting their needs, um, analyzing our new membership program that we launched last year, Total Tech, which it sounds like you should join. Uh, <laughs> and we can talk more about that later. But, uh, you know, it's, it's literally every every kind of question uh, you might, might want to look at. That group is helping support it across the business. Cool. Well, tell them if they offer free drones, I'm in. So, uh, <laughs> well, if you, with your total tech membership, if you crash your drone, uh, you can at least get it fixed or replaced. <laughs> I'm in, I'm already in. You convinced me. There you go. <laughs> um, so let, again, now let's take, let's kind of look outside Best Buy a little bit because I know you're really active in things yeah. like hackathons, right? So the, I think you touched upon it before the external culture change point of view, obviously Best Buy has got an amazing brand here in North America. So I know you spend a lot of time out at hackathons. Um, you, you guys sponsored mini bar, I think it's called, right. They had, there were 800 people involved in that hackathon to do, 
you know, obviously some collaboration and inspiration. So can you, you talk a little bit about that and how you view that as part of your role, you know, for transformation on analytics? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it hits on, uh, again, providing kind of conduits for our team to do things maybe that they haven't had opportunities to do, right? So whether it's going out in public speaking, um, going out and, you know, mentoring and supporting, you know, other folks in the analytics community. Um, again, you know, it pays dividends, you know, down the road for us to, to help that community uh, in, in so many ways. So I look at those hackathons as great opportunities for the team to go practice new skills, uh, and also they're, they're just fun, right? Like you don't, you don't get to go and, you know, sit in 24 hours and solve problems like that very often and, you know, have perspectives from, you know, maybe students, uh, other companies that are involved. Uh, you just gain so much from, from it in terms of perspective. What were some of your favorite projects? I know you're really involved in that. I'm, I'm, I'm always, there's always like a, a one, a project in those things that jumps out to me is like, you know, oh boy, I never thought of that. Yeah. Like, for example, like, do you bring in a bunch of data and say say to them, uh, where should we put the next Best Buy? You know, like that, that, kind, of, that <laughs> kind of stuff. But yeah, what kind of, what kind of yeah. stuff have you seen? Actually, so uh, we did one uh, with, with one of our partners, uh, Georgia Tech in Atlanta, where we actually gave them Best Buy data and the students all worked on, on a problem for us, so looking at things that don't uh, you know, sell very often, right? So, you know, maybe one a week, uh, one a month, like this, this sort of like very low volume item. And the team there, uh, they had, you know, 21 different teams of students competing on this to help us come up with a better algorithm to forecast those. And it couldn't just be like, throw all the horsepower at it. Cause if it takes eight days to run your model and we need a seven day forecast, uh, you know, it, it's not gonna work out very well for us. So I love that one because they brought, different perspectives uh, to the problem that our team learned from. Um, and they, they had developed some things that we were like, hey, well, let's take this so we can use it. And the students themselves love the experience uh, from what Man, they got. I, I really like that example. I, I, sometimes you go to these things and it's just some abstract, random problem, right? Yeah. But you guys actually asked the, and the, the great thing about Best Buy is so many people can relate to your questions. Right? I, my, the very first thing, anytime I go somewhere, I don't have to explain what the company does. That makes it a lot easier. You know, I, I, I ask the question every time and no one raises yeah. their hand. Yeah. They don't Boy, know I wish I had that well. luxury. I never worked, never worked for a company that my mother understood. I, that's always, my, uh, my um, although, you know, now actually, maybe she'll be listening to this. Um, all right. So let, let's, uh, let's wrap up with a, my favorite, like little one, two, three se segment here, right? We're going to, I'm going to ask you for one quote, two books, and three action items, right? So you're, you're kind of your favorite, starting with kind of an inspirational quote that maybe folks might not yeah. have heard of or, or you think represents what you're doing at Best Buy with data literacy and culture change and, uh, and transfer. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the first one, I'm not sure the origins of this as like a quote or if it even is a quote, but you've probably heard it. Um, and that is, we're often our own worst critics. Right. So I, I've used that one many times to try. And, uh, you know, once I understood kind of that, it's like, OK, maybe I didn't do as bad in that meeting as I thought or this work wasn't, you know, it's bad. And everyone else is giving this positive reinforcement. So once you can kind of understand your, your own worst critic, um, it helps you understand and trust that positive feedback you're getting and do some more things outside your comfort zone. All right, well, for the record, it's not just because you're you're here with me. I think you did great in this podcast. It's been really great learning for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I know you weren't fishing for it, but I had to say it because you made me yeah. think about it. Um, so two books, and the spin on this, uh, if you had to take, I mean, I, I don't want to go, like this may be a really hard one, 
to do. But if you took two books to a desert island and you had to reread them over and over and over again, you know, and, and oh. I, yeah, and it, you don't have to put that spin on it either. But uh, maybe something, okay. something that would be helpful well, to people, you know, that might they might have missed um, that that they should read well. read about. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was going to take a different spin on it myself yeah, it. and, you know, and it, well, I, I just, I think, uh, especially in like an always on kind of work culture, uh, you have to find your conduits to unplug, mm. uh, and, and books are one of the ways I do that. So a lot of what I do would fall more in like fiction and entertainment. Um, I actually, I do audio books now to, to make use of that, the, the commute times. Um, but I, I'm more on the business side. I mean, find, find some of the, you know, the different things I get a lot from like the Harvard business review. Uh, they send out a newsletter, um, find podcasts. Hopefully people like this one. Uh, you know, I've got a couple that just pop up from time to time on my LinkedIn feed and give them a, give them a shot at least once, uh, and, and see if it's some relevant things. Um, you know, those, those are probably, uh, you know, desert Island. I would, I would definitely make sure I had a good fiction book. <laughs> well, no, I, I love, I gotta get a title out of you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually throw out a few of my, cause I, I love what you said about un okay. unplugging, right? Like right now I'm reading Rick Rubin's new book, um, which, uh, is fantastic. If people don't know who he is, he's one of the, he's probably one of the, the most, uh, prodigious, uh, producers of music, um, beginning back with like the beastie boys and all the way up to Johnny Cash's last sort of albums, including the one that won the big uh, Grammys, Adele, like a whole bunch of people. It's a, and it's a very reflective book to your point, Wes. It's like definitely one that I could uh, read on an island for a while. So there, there, there's one by me and then there's another similar one um, by a guy named uh, Haruki Murakami, who is a Japanese writer who uh, it's about writing and it's also very reflective and a sort of a slow thinking kind of book. So. Um, so, but I gotta, I can't let it off the hook. You gotta give me a title. Okay. Your fiction book. I, I want to hear your, what your fiction book you bring to the world. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I am definitely a big fan of like sci-fi. So, uh, one of the series that I, I love listening to because they do like good voice acting and things as well. Uh, it's called the undying mercy. Oh, wow. All right. So, yeah. Very, very futuristic where, you know, uh, you have an army that, you know, they can't die. I love the title. Uh, There's like 18 books already in the series. Uh, so I, it's been going I had no idea. Not, it's on my list now. Okay. So now three actions take place. Yeah. Do as an audio book though. So you can get the great. Okay. Voice oh yeah, of course. <laughs> right. That sounds like, uh, I need to do it that way. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. yeah my bike ride, uh, playlist, um, next three actions or calls to action then other than, other, yeah. other than reading maybe our book or, or, or a new podcast or an audio, uh, book. Um, yeah. yeah. What's, what's your, what's your, what's your takeaway with what people should think about when they think about transformation and data literacy and that's sort of the theme yeah. of this podcast. So. So I, I, I think one, uh, you know, look to diversify your mentorship relationships, whether you're the, the mentee or the mentor. Um, you know, it, I've, I've mentored so many folks and it's very easy to just sit back and, you know, look for, and, you know, you pick a mentor and they, it's someone who looks like you, right? I've had that happen many times. So you, I would say challenge yourself if you're a mentor to find different groups of people to, ment to be the mentor to. And the same if you're a mentee, seek out other people um, and get that diversity um, in those relationships. Uh, to continue learning in any way that will get you to engage with it. So, you know, uh, reading business books was not on my list, as you can tell. But, uh, you know, if, if there are ways that will engage you, um, always, always keep learning uh, and make use of, of any of the tools that an organization you know, gives you for that. Um, and I guess I would close on, uh, 
be part of the change. So if there's something you don't like, uh, how can you get involved and make it better? I love it. You know, I think your first and third are quite, quite related to, you know, which is to reach out. I love the stories. That's why I brought, kind of brought them up, right? Those are people that just sort of took action, right? You know, because nobody's going to tell yeah. you to, you know, be a change agent, if you will, or uh, Balaji's right. thing about finding hidden genius, you know, it kind of has to, it normally, I think, has to come come at you and it's got to be motivated by a why and everything that you've, uh, you've, you've pointed out here, Wes, it's been, been great. Awesome. Well, hey, it's great talking to you. You will forever be our yeah. first guest. On the- oh, I love it. Mock Roll Podcast yeah, yeah. guest. So you'll always be number one for us. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say it can only get better from here then, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, you're being too selfish. You're, you're harsh. You're all harsh. Uh, no, it's go. been great. And I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. And uh, thanks a lot for taking time out of your day to, to join us, Wes. Oh, and uh, I'll be joining the, uh, the your, your, your new program and getting that free drill soon. Yes. All All right. right. Thanks a lot, Wes. Next, we'll hear from Luis, a graduate from the Correlation One Data Science for All program, about how his experience was more than just a boot camp. It empowered him to think differently about data and how his new skills are already starting to pay off. It would be a little bit too easy, I think, to call it Data Science for All just a data science bootcamp, which is what I thought I was signing up for. Uh, but as we wrap up, I can see this program has served a much greater purpose than that. Um, of course, we've gained uh, significant data analysis and visualization skills, which is awesome. Um, and we've graduated from figuring out how to import you know, these pre-made uh, requirement files into our workbooks and Googling data science model, you know, uh, to developing an appreciation for our favorite and most powerful uh, Python libraries, plot types, um, and graphing toolkits which is pretty cool. Um, but we were also given a new lens through which we can interact with the world um, with, with problems and projects at work and in our own lives. And I think that new lens will be one of the, the greatest benefits of the program. Uh, some of the structural benefits of, of Data Science for All. Uh, awesome, knowledgeable, and supportive TAs. Uh, shout out to Sammy, who would talk me out of dropping out when all of my time commitments seemed to be uh, converging and, and coming to a head. Um, we also have world-class instructors who share their experience and expertise in, in data science and who talked us through real-life applications of their craft. And now we can you know, talk about those experiences confidently in interviews at work and even over dinner with our families. Uh, we had interesting and realistic cases where we applied real-time the skills we were learning about. And we, have also, uh, we also have some incredibly uh, dedicated uh, professionals who are leading uh, DS4A. Um, of course, not to mention uh, the DJs and their fire playlists, which is always awesome. Um, at work, I'm actually on a team that's creating a machine learning based chatbot. And I've been able to apply the skills that I've learned here um, as we comb through a lot of data. Um, the data that we interact with is complex and, and it digs at human behavior and, and needs that, if properly analyzed and acted on, uh, will provide significant value add to our company and our clients. Um, and that's a great feeling. I've had the chance to apply things that I've learned here at DS4A um, at work, and it's been noticed. You know, I've gotten the chance to present my findings to department heads, and I'm, I'm working on a cool initiative that I came up with that will build on the skills that I've picked up here. Um, one of the things we've been talking about at work is, is this term uh, product stickiness, uh, which refers to this feedback me- mechanism through which we measure user, user value, uh, primarily through how engaging and integral the product we're building is to the end users overall experience within a platform. 
And if we consider DS4A uh, you know, empowerment a product, uh, I would say that the single greatest catalyst of, for me of how sticky um, the program has been, uh, has been my team. Um, Janet, Derek, and Dee are three of the most uh, professional, hardworking, and, and bright people that I've ever worked with. And I wouldn't have had the chance to meet them uh, without this program. So our work together has been, you know, it's, a, it's had a huge impact on me personally, as well as in our data science skills development. Um, two of us have already taken, uh, taken on increasingly analytical roles uh, professionally, which is, I mean, that's a huge testament to the value of this program. Um, I also want to highlight that these individuals, you know, constantly rose to the challenges that we faced and, and many came up with uh, awesome solutions for what we wanted to accomplish. Uh, we spent many, uh, some might say too many, uh, late nights working on our projects. Uh, but this led to two really great outcomes. The first, an actual live website with a beautiful Tableau dashboard and an accurate, interactive, predictive income model, which is amazing, um, considering that none of us you know, could code when we came in, uh, certainly not to this degree. The second uh, outcome is that I've expanded what I call my core network by three people, um, and I genuinely hope to work with you guys again. So a big thank you to Correlation One, to the Empowerment Team, to this incredible community. I love Luis's story. His data science for all experience had profound impact. He talks about how it was more than a boot camp, how it's world-class instructors, hands-on interactive teamwork, collaboration and applied learning approach was way more than just theory. And that gave him a new perspective, the ability to apply data to real world problems. And just as importantly, he built a new team and set of friends. And this is at the heart of cultural change. Luis reports that he even talks to his family at the dinner table about data, and they might not be so thrilled about that, but his excitement is undeniable. This is the essence of data humanized. It's the intersection of data and humanity. And there's just one more thing. Ultimately, our mission is to empower future workers with data literacy. For Luis, his hard work paid off. He's already taking on new roles professionally. And at work, he's got a new set of colleagues and a new lens to look at the world that's data illuminated. We close with a weekly segment we call The Big Number. We heard from Wes about the data volumes at Best Buy and how they're constantly increasing. And as we know, in the United States, election season's coming. So this week, our big number is 2.4 billion. That's the number of unwanted robocalls we humans in the US receive per month. We also heard from Luis about how he's working on a smarter AI chatbot process. Enterprises need ways to enable people like Luis to better separate the signal from the digital noise, like all those robocalls. To do that, we need ubiquitous data literacy. We need data humanized. Data Humanized is presented by Correlation One. We're building the enterprise workforce development platform of the future. If you're interested in learning more about how data literacy can power digital transformation at your business, please follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our newsletter via our website.